Today we're going to move on to lesson number two in the, uh, in the series, uh, Identify Yourself, basically talking about the theme of the book of Galatians. And today's lesson is entitled Identity Theft. You may have seen that on the cover of the bulletin. Uh, things that can steal our identity or tend to replace our identity. And Paul wants the Christians that are in the churches in the, in the, in the region of Galatia to have their sense of identity from God. And, and this is a different thing for them. The, the region is dominated by many, many different cultures, uh, many different religious views, many different racial views, uh, national views, and obviously many different senses of identity where people get their sense of self-worth and identity from. And so we, we can see... Uh, uh, we can see how, you know, our identity is very important. How we see ourselves. It affects how we deal with others. It affects how we deal with God. If we have no sense of identity, it affects us in that way. It's not just, you know, I have the wrong one. Well, I'd rather have none. No, that affects how we deal with one another too and how we deal with God. Because to have a strong sense of who you are, your self-identity, it gives us a lot of security. Uh, a strength, a sense of belonging. So we have many different things that give us a, a sense of identity. What are, what are some of the ways or what are some of the things that we use to give ourselves a sense of identity or a sense of belonging? What do you think? Say again? Job. job. Okay, yeah, a job. And I belong. And sometimes I even hear people say, well, we're a family here. Until you get fired, then you're not a family anymore. But that's it. Okay, what else? What, what you wear, maybe, okay, because if you wear a shirt that identifies with something, perhaps a school, you know, we got a U of I, even though you're Parkland Pathway U of I, you know, but it can give you a sense of belonging. I got a son-in-law, I don't think I've ever seen him except on his wedding day, have anything but a U of I shirt on. What else? Family, okay, yes, yeah, certainly family is a big one, what else? Okay, maybe where I live, and, and I'm going to take that one on to even nationality, you know, things like that, okay. One more, anything. Just interests, hobbies, or a club. Sometimes a club is surrounded by interests or hobbies. Different things. We use a lot of different things. Sports, you know, I'm a Cubs fan, or I'm a Cardinal fan, or, you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, we get all puffy about that. The challenge is, when we identify, or when I identify myself in one of these ways, oftentimes my reputation or my sense of self-worth is linked to that. For instance, sports. Many of you know I am a Pats fan. There's a bit of controversy surrounding the Pats. And... I feel sometimes guilty, associate, well, I'm a past fan. Oh, man. Now, nothing's been proven, but it doesn't matter. What? It hasn't. <laughs> it hasn't, but I'm not going to go there. <laughs> nothing's been proven. They just said more than likely he knew. When we, when we, when we are, a, 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 you know, like identify with a, a nation or a place. I mean, if you know, I'm a Texan. I got to be honest with you. I read in the newspaper somebody does some horrible crime in Texas. Part of me goes, "Oh, dude, you're making us look bad." Cuz I kind of, you know, I identify with that. I was down in Texas this 
this past week, and we had sold my parents' house, and we're getting all their stuff out, and I find this bulletin thing, Lar Family History, Lar Event, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I go, oh, I've never seen this before. So I'm reading through it. It's kind of the Lar Family thing. And it says, your ancestry is from Russia. I go, Russia? I don't want to be from Russia. I mean, the leader of the country's name is Putin. Who wants that? But, you know, you kind of sometimes feel that. And, you know, racial things. And, and you can say, well, you know, they, they, does that make us all look bad when one, somebody acts out or does something? Even spiritually or, or religion. I've had people ask me, because of something that somebody did or even they perceive that somebody did in a church, in another state, somewhere else. And they'll ask me, don't you feel guilty by association? And I say, actually, no. Now, personally, I don't feel guilty a lot of times anyway. Uh, maybe I should, but when I don't even know anything and I don't know, I don't feel guilty by association. And again, when I'm talking about these things, I'm talking about how we see ourselves, because we're, li we're limited to control how other people see us, but how we see ourselves. And Paul's trying to get the Christians in, in that region there, not only to get their salvation from God, not to get their, just their guidance from God, but their sense of identity from God. See, many of us become disciples of Jesus, but we still try to get our sense of identity from somewhere else. And we get our salvation from God, but not our sense of identity. And that's what makes it sometimes difficult for us to truly trust in God. Or makes us afraid of religious persecution or criticism. We feel maybe sometimes even a sense of competition with other faiths. And even if we don't get our security and sense of identity from God, it causes us to feel inadequate or not good enough even in our own faith. Now, what's going on here in the book of Galatians? Some Jewish Christians were convinced that everyone had to become Jewish in order to become Christians. Now, the reason they believe that is because their identity came from being Jewish. And they had concluded that I am special to God because I'm Jewish. Therefore, if you're not Jewish, how can you be special to God? You can't. The only reason I can hang on to my identity is that only the Jewish people are special to God. So if Christians are special, well, what has to happen then is the Christians have to become Jewish in order to be special. And they would get that sense of identity. And Paul is stating that this twisted type of faith is stealing their real identities. Turn to Galatians 3. We're going to read this whole chapter. We seldom do this, but we're going to do it today. Galatians 3, <laughs> we talked about this in our Bible class this morning. You know, Paul starts out with, you foolish Galatians. How many preachers could get away with that today, right? But Paul does it. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? See, they were fooled into thinking that they're going to get their, you know, they, they, they were fooled out of that blessing of getting their identity from God. They, they, he bewitched you. See, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one more thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Now, to the Gentiles, this was obvious. This was a no-brainer because they had never done the works of the law. They had never received that. They started out with Jesus. Okay, so he's going, guys, what are you thinking? You never even started the other way. 
Verse 3. Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, now, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? What are you saying? The guys are going backwards. Have you experienced so much in vain? If it really was in vain. So again I ask, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among, miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who live, um, those who have faith are children of Abraham. Now right here, Paul, he's starting to introduce something totally radical here. Because what he's saying is, is you can be children of Abraham without being Jewish. All right? And this is what would get him in trouble with the people who get their identity from that. They're going, what do you mean? But he goes even further. Verse 8. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced uh, the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God. Because the righteous shall live by faith. Right here, Paul basically states that the Jewish faith is now the ones under the curse. That the real relationship with God only comes through faith in Jesus. So he's really laying it on thick here. In verse 12, the law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things must live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse. Basically, he says he, he saved us from that. By becoming that curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who has hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, not the Jews, but to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Okay, let's start bringing this down to us and apply it to us, okay? Because truth is, we really don't have a whole lot of Jewish teachers telling us we've got to become Jewish in order to be saved first. That's really not where we live. But for us, the application, the principle that we need to pull out of here comes in regards to our getting a sense of identity through our actions, through our efforts, and through our works, which is so, so easy to do. What tries to steal our identity in God is a wrong idea of works. And the danger is defining works as action or doing something. That's not what Paul's talking about here. That's not what he was talking about in Ephesians. That's not what he was talking about in Romans. That's not what he was talking about in Philippians when he was dealing with the same problem. When he says works, he's not meaning actions. He's meaning works of the law. He uses that specific phrase here in Galatians. Works keeping the Jewish faith. And this was something Paul was very intimately acquainted with. He knew it well. He was a very strict Jew. And he was a leader in the strictest set, sect of the Jewish faith. So he gets it. He understands that life. But when Paul refers to the works of the law, that's what he's discussing that, that Jewish Christians trying to steal the Galatians' identity by telling them they've got to become Jewish. He's not talking about obedience and responsibilities that we have and obeying. And look at this, in Philippians 3, he's talking about the very same thing when he's talking to the church at Philippi here. To help us understand it, I want us to get what Paul's saying in Philippians 3, beginning in verse 2. 
Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Somebody thinks they got more, have reasons to put confidence in the flesh? Guess what? I got more reasons. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I was a Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Then he says, though, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. So many of us try to get our identity, our confidence in the flesh, even as Christians. And we do this by becoming super-Christians. Or trying to become super Christians. Because being a Christian somehow is not enough. I don't want that as my identity. I want it to be a super Christian. We're tempted by our egos. We're tempted by other people's expectations. We see different levels of Christianity. Different levels of importance to God. And we strive for those greater levels. And it's really hilarious when you really know what goes on behind the scenes. And I say things like, like being an evangelist. Everybody says, oh, he's an evangelist. I want to share with you how Phyllis and I got into the ministry. We, we were in Boston, and we're working. I'm working uh, as a carpenter, and Phyllis is staying home, taking care of the kids, and working with those three little rugrats, and doing all of that. And the church was growing. It was growing, you know, four to five baptisms every day. It's rocking. Well, we've got to hire more people. We need more people on staff. We need more people. Okay. So what they would do is, is they would gather in, and they, the church was broken up into many different groups around town, regions of town. And each of these regions in that town had somebody overseeing it. And within those regions of town, there would be three or four smaller sectors within that region of town. And so they would ask the guys who led the regions, and they're like, who do you have that could go on staff? And they would turn in names. And then they would all come to this meeting. Well, the meeting was coming, and the guy that led our region of that town, his name was Willie, he only had one couple. And he was very embarrassed. They had six, seven hundred people in one couple. They happened to be in our, we knew them, they're good friends of ours, and they had been the couple that people had said for years, oh, these, they need to be in the ministry, they need to be in the ministry, they need to be in the ministry. And they were the golden couple. But there was only one, and Willie was embarrassed. And so he calls up our sector leader, Terry, and he goes, hey, Terry, you got anybody else? we got to send somebody. I can't just send one person. And Terry goes, well, I mean, there's the Lars. They always wanted to be in the ministry, I guess. I mean, they used to be in the ministry. And he goes, okay, send them. <laughs> All right, so, so we're going, okay, this is cool. You know, we're going to get interviewed for the ministry. So we go in. It's a big reception. There's food there, and everybody's just milling around, talking. Hootie doo and lottie dime. And then finally we all sit down and then they say, okay, everybody in the room that's, you know, here to, to, to go in the ministry, ministry, this is what I want you to do. I want you to stand up, give us your name, and describe the Boston Church of Christ in one word. So we all did that. Kip gave a lesson. Thank you very much. Go home. 
That was it. And from that, two weeks later or whatever, we get a call. We want you to go in the ministry. And I go, that was it? That's how we were chosen? One word. Yeah, what was that word? I remember my word was hot. Hot. I remember this other fellow goes, controversial. I said, oh, he's done. He's cooked, man. But, <laughs> but, but <laughs> that was it. And I think, how does this work? It's not that special. We put all this identity in this thing that just, it's not that special. It wasn't that, I was going, that was crazy. And sometimes we got to realize, guys, we can't get all hung up in titles, accomplishments. They really don't mean that much. Actually, they mean pretty much nothing to God. Except the more responsibility you got, the more I'm going to require of you. Which is not something I really want, to be honest with you. But in Galatians 6, Paul's wrapping up everything by saying in verses 14 and 15, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Because that doesn't mean nothing. So many of us try to get our sense of identity from our spiritual roles, our accomplishments, our successes. And when we have a failure, we take a hit. Oh. And that's, you know, you might be saying, well, that's kind of the way we were raised. That's kind of the way some of us were taught. Well, okay, that's not what the Bible says. We're going to try to go with what the Bible says. I don't want to get tied up with titles. I don't want to get tied up with accomplishments and excesses. Now, that being said, I, I, I respect leaders. I respect those who take those roles because I know it's a tough job. To be honest with you, it's not one that I really want to do. I, I've had most of them and lost most of them. If I'm asked, I'll serve. But if I'm not asked, I don't really lobby for it. Because I realize there's a lot going on. That's why I respect uh, the guys that serve as our elders. I respect the, the, the people that serve on our board. Because sometimes the board, it can go on, great, you have a meeting, who, oh, this is great, this is great, and then all of a sudden, boom, holy smoke, we got to make some tough decisions. And no matter what decision I make, somebody in here ain't going to like it. I just know that. And I don't need that kind of pressure. But they take it, and they do it. And I respect that. And I respect the leaders. But no matter where we are, if I'm a Bible talk leader, if I lead a house church, or if I'm on the board, or if I'm a deacon, or if I'm an elder, or if I'm a Bible class teacher, or whatever, realize, don't get your sense of identity and self-worth from that. Those are temporary things. They come and they go. Right now, I'm preaching, I'm teaching, I'm standing up here. You know what? In just a few minutes, I'm going to go sit down right there, and I'm not going to be the teacher anymore. We're all together. Sometimes we have little roles, we have titles, we have jobs, and then it's done. And we can't get our sense of identity from that. I need to get my sense of identity from being a child of God. Period. And that's what next Sunday's lesson we'll be focusing on in much more detail. My accomplishments, my successes, my titles, 
give no greater advantage to anyone. Galatians 6, verses 26 through 29, our key passage for the whole book. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, nor is there male or female. We could add in there, nor is there leader, non-leader, house church leader, not house church leader, someone in the band, someone not in the It doesn't matter. You're all one in Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We all belong to Christ, and that's the only thing that matters. We're all equal there. So don't let anybody steal your identity, and don't give it away. Even in your own hearts, don't give away that identity and try for another one that's attached to a title or attached to a goal or an accomplishment. Because like I said, Phyllis and I have pretty much had every role, and lost them. Being on staff, we, we've had that one twice and lost it twice. Actually, I guess we've had it three times now. We lost it twice. You know how it goes. A couple of weeks ago, I was teaching and preaching up in, uh, in, in Madison, and I was talking to the campus and the teens. And I was talking about how you go to these uh, 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 the MAC retreat and whatever, and they will talk to you, and they will say, well, we need people to go and do the ministry. We need people to to go on mission teams, and I've said that myself, and we do need that, but you know what more, we need more than anything else, more than people to go into the ministry, because the truth is, you go to a MAC retreat, and they say, go, we need you to go, maybe 1% of the people there will ever go into the ministry, maybe 1%, what is really needed is not more ministers, but solid, mature, secure disciples who get their sense of identity from God, that's the real need. Because 1% goes in a minute, 99% are going to be going into the churches, going into the house churches, going into the ministries to be mature, solid foundations for these churches. That's the need. Who have our identities wrapped up in Christ, not in titles or successes. So don't let anyone or anything steal your identity. Don't be tempted to run after these things. They're also temporary. Now, possibly, it's already happened to you. It's already stolen. Your, your identity's already misplaced. You didn't even know it. You're just now maybe starting to realize it. And I want to call you to study the Bible, get into the Word of God. See, that's how, that's how these, the, the people here, the Jewish people, got into trouble. They trusted in what they felt. They trusted in what they had always been told. When Jesus came along, they said, well, this can't be different. We must just add it on to what we've already got or something because they refuse to just listen to the Word of God. And I pray that that is not the case with any of us because they were wrong. And that's a horrible place to be. And I call people to get into it, study the Word. Do I really get my sense of identity because of my relationship with Jesus, my relationship with God, regardless of anything else? And really think through that this week. Do I put it in these other things, in what I do? And I appreciate all everybody does. I know we have a lot of volunteers, a lot of people who do and serve and give in leadership roles, in serving roles, in giving roles. I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize any of those things. I'm just saying, please, that's not where your identity is. 
That's not who you are. That's just what you do. And get your identity from God and don't let any identity theft, any identity thief, steal that away. Join us next week as we have our secret identity revealed. What does that mean to get my identity with God? Come back next week and we will talk about that in the next episode.